You're listening to Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and today we're talking about the biggest news stories of the week, including the cancellation of E3, Starfield links, layoffs at Sony, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Monkey Island 3. Let's go! Welcome... Welcome, welcome. It's last games tonight. <laughs> Get it? Uh, news team, Izzy Vanderveld. Hello. Lou Liang. Hey. Andrew King. What's up? We've got your top stories. Uh, I apologize for the background noise. We don't usually record on this day, and this is when apparently they cut down all the ch- trees in my neighborhood. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I think our top story of the week, if I'm not mistaken, is this E3 slash Summer Games Fest update. Yeah. Um, The E3 cancellation has been this weird, will they, won't they, between, um, I guess, E3 and the LA Convention Center for the last (laughs) nine months. Uh, It was, first it was, sorry, no in-person event but we won't be commenting on the online version, which is what they did last year. Hmm. And then it was, I believe there was some kind of confirmation that online was happening, but then last week confirmation that online is not happening. So no E3 in any form this year and maybe never again. What do you think? I feel like that seems more than ever, like the, you know, dominant possibility of what is going to happen. Yeah. You know, like it has been such a will they, won't they thing, you know, and the fact that we're going to go, you know, three years now without a physical E3 and this year, no E3 at all. Like it just seems like it's hard. And yeah. And the two years before that were, a shadow of what E3 once was already. Right. Like even before COVID in 2019, like every gaming podcast that I was listening to was like, is this the last E3? It kind of feels like it might be the end of E3. Yeah. And then COVID happened. So it's like, it was already feeling like we didn't, it didn't have a real reason to exist anymore since, you know, big publishers like Sony were pulling out. I'm not keyed in enough to know but I like obviously there was a series of I guess you might call them unfortunate events, but uh, you know all, everybody got doxed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in twenty eighteen, and right. then um, you know with PlayStation pulling out, and then E three uh, EA doing its own separate thing, uh, it just felt like there was not trust in ESA to continue this event. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like opening it up to the public. Uh, in what was that 2016 mm-hmm. uh, ch- changed things apparently for the worse um, I never got to go did anybody else go no never got no. to go never got to go never that, will probably that's like the big bummer for yeah. me I if it, I mean the thing that we you know is like the other side of this coin is that in the years that E3 has been falling we have seen the ascension of Keeley. And so, like, I would, if Keeley is going to, like, turn his Summer Games Fest into, like, an E3 replacement, I would enjoy it if that actually had a physical 
component because it is sort of a bummer to me to have it disappear as like a actual destination where like people in the press and people that work on the game's development side of things can like meet and network and like have like a physical place where the industry is meeting up once a year. You know, like it would be cool if we could continue to have that element of it. Yeah. And to a certain extent, GDC is that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less press focused, obviously. Right. Um, and like there's packs and stuff. I don't know if this means the packs events will get bigger, uh, but I totally agree that uh, some kind of live fan event slash press event is a good thing in, in LA. Like, you know, we have we have WonderCon, which was just this last weekend, which is very comic book focused. And in San Diego, we have Comic Con, which is always going to be huge whenever it comes back, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for games, like E3 was the thing, even if behind the scenes things were pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had like leaked documents of like some pretty heinous shit that they were planning that was very like corpo synergy speak. Like mm-hmm. nonsense, um, right. but at the same time, like it was bringing in tens of thousands of players to see new games, and like mm-hmm. that's still precious, I think. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I'm I'm headed to PAX this month, and frankly, I don't expect it to be some big blowout. I don't think like the big big publishers are going to be there. Gearbox is, but I don't know if Sony's going to be there or Nintendo or what. Um, just for for pandemic reasons, so I, I would be uh, I'd be pretty upset if if these kinds of things just went away in favor of cheaper, easier, faster digital events. You know, right? Yeah, I I just like you know before right before uh, the year before COVID, so 2019, I went out to LA and San Francisco to go to an Anthem preview event and a Borderlands Three preview event. And then I was like, I can't wait to continue covering this as part of my job, you know, continue going to physical <laughs> events and like meeting people yeah. that I know online in person. And like, then that element of the job just completely went away and it sucks because it makes it feel like what I'm doing is nebulous and not connected to anyone else. Right. Even though like we have the podcast, we have meetings for this job, but like, I don't know, it. I would love it if I felt like I had some sort of physical connection to the industry that I'm working in. I'm not happy about the E3 stuff, though. No, I, I do agree. Like, I do just, it'd be nice to be able to meet people from, like, other outlets, because I think that helps broaden your your scope within the industry. Because obviously all you, all you lot are great. Everyone at the game is lovely. But it's still fun, you know, meeting people you have, like, you know, fake little online rivalries with or just people who do your job but for another outlet you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just a nice way to build connections and relationships within yeah like i said within our industry well so and I, I and i think for players it's such a unique thing too because you know it for for one thing it is a fan meetup you mm, get to yeah. go see you know all your I've met with my destiny clan at conventions. Like that stuff is really cool, but also just the opportunity to like play all the shit. Like, you know, steam does their like little game festival every year where you can download a bunch of demos, but you still have to like search through stuff, read descriptions, download demos. Like when you're at the place, you just walk up to a booth and you're playing a game. You've never played before that. You probably wouldn't have played. It's just like 
the ease of access to all these different experiences all in one place. That's yeah. a really unique thing. You can't do that any other way than a convention. Physical yeah. space is curatorial in a way that no digital space can be, which Absolutely. is it's like like you can tell me that a small game is good. You can like put it on, you know, give a prominent placement on Steam, but actually being in the place where the devs are and like yeah. you know, that like immediately gives it more prominence in your mind than just knowing that it is out there and exists. So right. like that is an, one way that it seems like the loss of physical events is going to hurt smaller devs. Like there is like a, you know, like obviously Nintendo has a bigger booth at E3 than, you know, a smaller developer, Devolver. like an indie developer. Yeah. Well, right. Evolver is pretty big. Yeah. Right. So like, it's not like it's democratic in like physical sure. space, but there is like the element that it's like, I have the, like, if I walk to the bathroom, I might, you know, walk past this developer that I would never encounter online. So yeah, yeah. Plus, you're losing that element. It's also like generally the most positive representation of like gamer culture, mm -hmm. you know, like online gaming culture is not good. Yeah. And at a convention, it is pretty overwhelmingly like, positivity and togetherness and like yeah there's like bad shit going on there too there's still mm -hmm. like creepos being creepies yeah <laughs> because that's what happens when you get a, a bunch of people together right right um but it feels like like gamers at a gamer convention are at are their best selves <laughs> in a yeah. way their best gamer selves anyway <laughs> right there is not the anonymity of online which you sure know, makes people feel comfortable like yelling slurs like you know that if you yell slurs in a, in a physical place you might catch hands so that is yeah, like that's... nobody's gonna walk up to a developer booth and tell them their game is like too woke or whatever right <laughs> you know right. Mm -hmm. so yeah uh but on the same day uh jeff Keeley took the opportunity to re-announce summer games fest it's happening in june we'll see how this thing evolves it's so new you know, every year it lasts like months and months and it feels like it's like it's really this like behemoth amorphous thing. But it's still just we're two years in, aren't we? Like he, we just started doing this. I, I this is the third year, right? Because this will be the third one. Yeah, yeah, because it happened. I remember Tony Hawk's Pro Skater remake being one of the big announcements that first year. Yeah, because it, it was like it. It first happened the summer of the first summer of COVID, right? So this will yes. be the third year of it happening. Man, that's insane. The third it's, year of COVID. It feels wild how long we have been in this holding pattern with the yeah. virus. And like, is that anything ever going to, you know, feel, like, I feel like games are like one of the places where it feels least like we have made any progress on it because like everywhere else, people are just like, yeah, we're going back to doing stuff physically you know and i feel like right. games conferences are something where we're still doing everything digitally which yeah. i mean is good for like not spreading the virus it just makes it feel like we have been in the same like mode since 2020 basically yeah i know um okay can we talk about this monkey island thing yeah i have a lot of questions <laughs> this was just announced today right the third monkey island is now in development or what? What's the deal? I think th this is like 
It's not the third, is it? It's or it is a, they're they're setting it up as a sequel to the second game. I think. Yeah. Okay, like it takes so that place. Was, yeah, that was my first question. Yeah, how many yeah. Monkey Island games are there? So I did the news post on this, and I had to learn all this myself. Um, <laughs> I think there's there's five main series games. There's the first two, which were made by Ron Gilbert, or at least like helmed by Ron Gilbert. Mm-hmm. And then there were two more that came out after that, which didn't have his like input. And then there's also Tales from Monkey Island, which was the Telltale Games one, uh, which also didn't have his input. And he's been really vocal about like his 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 vision for this game was it was originally one game that he was like, okay, this is too big, I'll split it up into three projects, um, and that's going to be it. Uh, I don't know what happened behind the scenes that meant he didn't end up making three and someone else did. Okay. But he's been pretty vocal, apparently, about not liking the other ones that came after his two. Sure. And he's kind of said, you know, um, he's like, in my mind, they just don't exist. He's like, oh, he said, I'm not above... They're not canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said, in my mind, I'm not... He was like, I'm not above cherry-picking, like, the best bits and, like, stealing some characters. Uh-huh. Right. He was like, but, um, yeah, beyond that, like, I, like three is just going to pick up where two left off, I believe, is how that's And he go. somehow got the rights... That that's that's the problem. Yeah. Or he's just talking shit. Like, no, it's oh, no, he's, it's, it's in, him. He's making it. No. It's like, in co-production with Lucasfilm, yeah. right? Uh, so who, it's who his. Made the original ones as well with him. Yeah. So it's Terrible Toy Box, I think, is the name of his studio, and they are working with Devolver Digital and Lucasfilm to yeah. Lucasfilm Games. So not LucasArts. LucasArts shut down like a decade ago, I think. Yeah. Right. And then Lucasfilm Games is like the new umbrella that I think the Indiana Jones game is also under. Really? Okay. But not Lego Star Wars. I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's like a, you know. Lego like, Star Wars is Traveler's Tales, I think. Right. I don't, I, yeah, it is, but I don't know if it is in conjunction with Lucasfilm Games. Okay. I, think I don't Lucas... think any of the Star Wars, I don't think like uh, Fallen Order has a, any Lucas branding on it. Mm. I, I don't think any Star Wars stuff does. So well, that's the, weird. The Lucasfilm branding is pretty new. I think Indiana Jones might have been the first game that was announced with that label on it. Oh, I see. But don't quote me on that. I just Which know that it's fairly new. The Hitman. The Hitman, no. Machine. It's machine games making it. Machine games. Right, the right, Wolfenstein right. devs. Right. So, okay. so yeah, he had originally announced this on April Fool's, so people were like split on whether it was a real announcement or not. Right. And then today they actually put out a trailer. So it's really? it's, okay. it's real. He has the license, I guess. He's working with um, Lucasfilm, and we're getting a new Monkey Island. So, Lou, how are you a big Monkey Island fan? I just want to know what the the secret is. The secret of Monkey Island? Yeah. What is the secret? Apparently. We're going to find out. Yeah, we're going to find out in the third one, yeah. The the first two games never revealed it, and the creators always said, like, ooh, I'll I'll say it if I get to make another one. How big is the gap between the the last, the the second one and... Like, it's got to be close to 30 years at this point, right? So... Monkey Island 2, oh god, do you remember when games took this long to make? 1990, The Secret of Monkey Island. 1991, Monkey Island 2, mm. LeChuck's Revenge. So more yeah. than 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. years. Damn. Wow. I can't differentiate 1 and 2 in my mind. Like I can't place the the scenes, but mm-hmm. I definitely played the shit out of these. The, the, this was one of the first games I ever played. Yeah. 
One has the the chicken pulley. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, yeah. I played some of that. My wife and I have played a fair amount of these like point and click games together, but we have a bad habit of like getting like halfway through and then quitting. So we have like started Day of the Tentacle that. and Monkey Island, and um, we finished Grim Fandango. That's the only one we finished. Really, that's like the hardest one. It is. It, we that one's absurd. Extensive guides for that one. Yeah. I only know these games from uh, reputation. They're very well regarded for like their their humor and their dialogue mm. options, yeah. and um, yeah, generally it's considered a high point, I guess. Um, but as a console gamer, I never really got mm. a chance to to have a play or play with them. I had one and two in like this big wooden box that you slid the top off. It was like a cigar uh, box, oh, cool. <laughs> but, cool. but for PC games. Yeah, PC games used to be wild. Uh, okay, this Starfield leak. So hmm. we 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 just got some screens of Starfield, but they're like old. Yeah, they're like ancient screenshots. Yeah, so so there's not a lot to pull from this, other than that one of them is like third person with what looks like base building, and it just looks like. Uh, what's the space game? No Man's Sky. It just looks like mm. No Man's Sky. Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering if that is like actually because I see what you're talking about. There's like the purple uh, building in the back, which looks like a building that like if you were playing looks like a, a blueprint or something. Right. And I'm wondering if that is like actually a blueprint or if it's like because this is like a gray box like version of the game. Like if that is something they're building. In, because in the same picture, it's like the the ground is just like a flat, like beige plane, and the sky is just like a flat black plane. So it's not a finished level. So I'm wondering if that is like because it's in development that they are placing that there, not like it's yeah. for the player to place it there. I guess I'm maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but you know, with with Bethesda's last game being Fallout seventy six, mm-hmm. uh. I would assume that a lot of that like survival and base building stuff is going to make its way into Starfield. Did everybody kind of have that assumption? Well, four had the base building too. So I feel like that is like right. a safe thing to guess. I guess my only question with it is, you know, how it works with like the space traveling and like what planet this would be on. If it's like on a starting planet or, you know, when that would unlock, but I mean, none of that is a reason it wouldn't be in the game. It just is my questions about how it would be implemented, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think... it's surprising that I think this game is due to release this year, I think later this year, November. Yep. And um, it is surprising, like the, the, the marketing route they've taken, which is to show very little of the game, really. No, um, yeah. Almost nothing, yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone's excited, like super, super excited about this uh, game. About this game, I mean, I mean, it's got so much potential. It's a sci-fi setting and everything, but um, hardly anything has been shown. I- I'd love to see some gameplay or whatever, but um... is it suspicious to you this this marketing cycle? It's it comes think, out this year and we've seen nothing except that they keep telling us how amazing it's going to be. Yeah. I think after <laughs> after Cyberpunk, I think a lot of the big... Because obviously after The Witcher 3, we all thought... Oh, sorry. 
you can hear my guinea pig squeaking. <laughs> After The Witcher 3, I think we all thought CD Projekt Red was going to be too amazing to fail. And, right. you know, Cyberpunk was going to be this incredible, like, you know, basically a simulation and you'd never want to even look at another game for as long as you lived. Right. And then it just bombed. Like, it just wasn't that... <laughs> I mean, it's all sold well, obviously, but, like, the actual game itself, as we all know, was nothing like what it was promised. Yeah. And I think... yeah. So, it's... like, even even Elden Ring, which had lots of hype because people were excited for it, its marketing cycle never was like, oh, the, the map is huge and there's, like, so many bosses and, like, there's all these hours of content. It was just like, yeah, it'll probably take you around 35 hours to beat the game. Like, here it is, like, a few cinematic right. trailers. And I think that really paid off for it. Because then when it came out, mm. everyone was like, holy shit, this game's incredible. There's so much right. I'm discovering. And I think a lot of... Yeah. I, I, I'm, I think, yeah, big marketing teams have just kind of... Some have looked at what happened with cyberpunk and they're like you know what let's just let's just be chill yeah i mean that, that worked for elden ring because like they didn't really say much about it but they have been saying things about starfield like how amazing it's gonna be right but then right. when we Plus finally two, like play it and it you know maybe it doesn't turn out to be as amazing as they've said it, it's gonna it, there's like a disparity between what they say and what what we can expect in terms of actually playing it I think it's probably a combination of a few things, right? Because they watch Cyberpunk, like, have the, like, backlash that that game had. They had their own... Yeah, like, 76. Right? right, like, I think it's easy to forget when, like, a new game comes out that's a trash fire. That, like, they they had their own... 76 was a fucking trash fire. Right, yeah. like, nothing... It felt like... It just felt like nothing could go right for that game. Like in the game, outside of the game, like they had the controversy with like they said they were going to send canvas bags and they turned out to be nylon bags or whatever. Right. That was. Um, and then also, I think it's that Bethesda has has like for the past like few games that they put out has not announced them or not revealed them until the year that they like the summer that they before they release. True. That's like, true. Yeah. Because Fallout 76 got announced at, like, right before E3 and then had the big reveal at E3. And I think they did something similar for Fallout 4 and maybe Skyrim. I have seen other people talk about this. I don't personally remember how they rolled out those games, but I've seen other people discuss them having that kind of rollout. But the next Elder Scrolls was announced many years in advance. right? Right. Yeah, and this was too. This was announced a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it's the rollout. Right, that it's like they have the big blowout trailer like the summer before. Right. Um. So I'm hoping that it is good. I would like. I was sort of worried after Cyberpunk. Like Cyberpunk, that genre is like the genre that I have the most like feelings about like i just want to see like a really good dystopian sci-fi city in a game that i can you know run around in yeah and uh i was sort of worried like cyberpunk was had such a backlash against it that i was like i i feel like developers are just not going to want to touch the genre anymore and yeah this has like you know sci-fi cities in it which i'm excited to explore so i hope that it's good for that reason. Like selfishly, I just want to have a good sci-fi first person RPG. Those screens, like I said, it, it invokes no man's sky. Mm-hmm. So if this is like no man's sky meets Skyrim, I think that's a pretty damn exciting proposition. Right. 
It so. is, but I also don't think five-year-old screenshots can really be indicative of anything like the no, of course be not. now. Mm-hmm. Just, that like five years in game dev time is just ancient. Like, it's yeah. so out of date now. Mm. Yeah, I was just um, I was just quickly reading Ben's article on the marketing specifically because he his article is titled um. Starfield's marketing is making Space Skyrim sound boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he just touches on how all, it's all the round tables and they're just like, oh, you can you can talk to NPCs and there are factions and there's character creators, and it's just like, yeah. Yeah, like, that's in every game. RPG. It's a video yeah. game. Like, cool. Yeah. I mean, one of the things he said is like, show me a weird purple space giraffe. Like, I want to see that stuff. Like, I want to see I want to see. It's quite old school. It's kind of like a throwback. Things kind of 90s style of marketing almost where they just like <laughs> talk about oh it's gonna be so good and then everyone's super pumped for it yeah, yeah. it never shows anything it's just not working. yeah but you know summer games fest we're gonna get blasted with starfield marketing we're gonna st- be complaining about how many trailers we've seen in yeah, the next up. three months yeah there'll be a story trailer factions trailer weapons trailers character trailers planet trailers trailer trailers. for sure yeah yeah, I uh, I am really hoping that this one is good because I just it's like the main game that I'm sort of looking forward to this year, and I feel like the other games I've been disappointed or I've been looking forward to, I've been pretty disappointed by, like Horizon Forbidden West. I was really looking forward to, and I just am so bored by that game. Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to like it, and I. I think part of it is because, like, they showed San Francisco so heavily in the marketing, and then you don't get to San Francisco until, like, 40 hours into the game. Like, it is, like, the last place that you get. So I'm, like, yeah, I still am not there. And I have, like, 30 or 40 hours into that game. So. Are you and playing then, Ghostwire? No, I haven't played Ghostwire. Play Ghostwire. I'm playing a little Kirby. Playing a little kirby i was not that excited for that one i kirbyed my enthusiasm but it is actually you know pretty pretty fun pretty cool it's like the last of us part two kirby which is exciting oh yeah you bash somebody's head in or oh yeah super super violent it's gonna make you question your words and deeds it's gonna like give you empathy for the people that kirby swallows so it's it's (laughs) pretty cool you play as waddle d for half the game what he oh plays yeah, you play Waddle Dee, right? You well, first you kill off Waddle Dee's father figure by swallowing uh-huh. a golfer, and then you, <laughs> and then you beat, beat them to death with a golf club. So, <laughs> so that, but that gopher was complicated, right? Yeah, it's like it's like they had you know motivations and you know morally gray. It's a morally gray Kirby game. All right, they get the joke. They get it. Uh, Activision. Oh boy, just the word. Mm-hmm. Invokes fear in the hearts of men. Yeah. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, immediately lifted vaccine mandates and uh, began the process of ushering everyone back to work. Mm-hmm. Back to the building. Yeah. Um, so that's bad. Hey, does Activision just not care about optics anymore? They just said, like, we are rock bottom. Things can't get worse. It doesn't matter what we do, what we say, like... Like they could hire Satan as the CEO, and we'd just be like, <laughs> "Well, they really yeah, have, duh, they? it's Activision, basically." Yeah, right. I mean, they they clearly stopped caring when they didn't pay Jen O'Neill as much as Mikey Barra. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that oh is, my god. That was. Do I have to say allegedly? That probably like, is rock bottom, is it? You're like, right. That, that's that was when they when they clearly were just like, "We don't give a fuck." We don't give a fuck. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Because what? 
what are you thinking paying your female co-lead less than the male co-lead when you're being sued for like gender discrimination stuff like it's just madness mm-hmm. they clearly don't think there's any consequences and i think the eeoc um court filing what that their settlement's 18 million dollars you know i worked out how much that was of their 2021 revenue it's just over um 0.02 percent sorry no, right it's just over 0.2 percent of right their, of their 2021 revenue it, and yeah like, and before the business nurse starts saying oh revenue's not profit i know revenue's not profit but that's not the point like it's it's less than a drop in the ocean mm-hmm. and they're not getting punished for this so like why would they care about optics when they've just been bought by microsoft the fines against them are absolutely nothing they can just completely ignore that like well nothing's gonna but stop, it, nothing's touching it, it's not it's not even really about the fines in any of these scenarios the fines is never what brings them down what what brings companies down is public perception mm-hmm the the fines are a punishment but the way that they suffer the way that change comes is because people stop buying their products but that's not going to happen because mm-hmm. it's a video game yeah like yeah <laughs> i feel like they have you know they have a ton of like former trump people that work for the company like in the yeah. upper echelons and i feel like they have taken a page out of like the trump playbook and like <laughs> if you just pretend it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, if you, if you act like it's not sticking, it's not sticking. And that seems like it's working out. Okay. For them. I mean, like in this scenario, the base of Trump base of support that Trump had, you know, that could never do like leave him as like equivalent to like call of duty players that will always buy the game every year. Like pretty much as long as they have that base that will always turn out and buy the game, then they're basically, Okay, and I think you're right that it's like they are bought by Activision, so they're just like, well, any or bought by Microsoft, so it's like any PR problems that they have are like not their problem anymore. It's like, you know, yep. I don't know. So in the midst of this, we also have an insider trading investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three greasy billionaires, uh-huh. or you know, whoever the fuck these guys are. Alexander von Furstenberg, come on! I know, come, come such on! Such an evil name. He's yeah. like a prince or something as well. I think, uh, I, I, think I wrote the original article on, on this. Barry Diller and David Geffen, like mm. the David Geffen. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So these like, these three bought shares immediately before the Xbox or the Microsoft acquisition, which is sussy wussy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and came out fifty nine million dollars ahead. Yep. Uh, just a just well, a really good bet, you know. Just a really lucky yeah. Just yeah. just had a gut feeling and went with it. Oh wait, wait a second, Izzy. <laughs> Alexander von Furstenberg met personally with Kodak just before buying all these shares. Well, huh. not, not only that, but and I'm pulling up my article now because I forgot the specifics, but. Diller is on the Co- was on the Coca-Cola board of directors with Kotick. Huh. Diller is good friends with Geffen, and Diller is also von Furstenberg's stepfather. Mm. No kidding. No kidding. So- wow. Those are so many coincidences. <laughs> no, probably, That's so funny probably, that all those things line up. Yeah. It's probably eh. nothing. Probably nothing. Yeah. 
It's probably nothing. The cool thing about white collar crime is that there are no consequences for doing it. That's the fun part about it is like you don't go to you. You like unless you're really unlucky, you don't go to prison for it. You can just do the crimes. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if it, if you couldn't get away with it, they wouldn't be this fucking obvious about it. Right. <laughs> they would use like dead drops and shit. <laughs> right. Like they wouldn't be like at lunch together in public. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. No, they don't give a shit. No, they don't give a shit. They can do whatever they want. Uh, fun, fun stuff. Good company, uh, Activision Blizzard. It's so fun how like you know our world is just run by these demons. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, I, I love, love it. That. I love it here. Every mm-hmm. day is a holiday. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sonic or Sony layoffs? Mm. Sonic is more fun. Sonic. All right, let's talk about Sonic. So Sonic has not released in the U.S. Did you all know this? Yeah, I was I was looking into that because they did this last yeah. time too. I don't know why Sonic gets a U.K. release first. Not yeah. that I think U.S. should get a release first, but I think that they should all be the same. Mm-hmm. It's always been weird to me, like whenever clearly American eyes things like isn't Paramount an American company? It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's and like, Sonic is obviously the the jumping. state animal of California. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's very, very strange. I feel, uh, like, I feel it, like Uncharted was the same, where it came out in yes, in like it did Europe and the East before it came out in the West. Yes, it did. Yeah, it um, seems like it is a way like when you have an IP releasing at the same time as another big IP. Like in this case, Morbius was releasing in the US this weekend, so it's like they can <laughs> launch outside of the u.s and like get a good like get good news like like sonic is looking very strong right now because it's like it made 25 million and it is not even open in the u.s you know yeah so like i think it is sort of a way obviously morbius is the biggest movie in the world right yeah (laughs) already passed avatar right yeah yeah and um it has a very likable star i just (laughs) yeah everybody loves yeah it's a perfect winning combination for sure um so yeah it seems like that's sort of a way to game the system it's like if you are opening against another movie that will potentially have a strong date you can sort of shore up receipts outside of the u.s and then have momentum going into your u.s release like dune also released outside of the u.s before it released in the u.s and had a really oh, okay. strong global haul before it what's the opened target in the US. what's the target kind of market for this sonic film is it for kids or is it everybody for, for, it's for everyone fun for the whole mm-hmm. family right well, yeah family. i it think so it... adult a bit like detective pikachu i thought that was quite like a mature movie actually not really mm-hmm. not really a kiddie film yeah sonic has finally managed to do the thing that every video game movie wants to do and fails at where they mm-hmm. say uh the fans which in this case is uh apparently dudes in their 30s uh-huh. <laughs> the the fans are going to show up so we don't care about appealing to them mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to appeal to everyone else cast the widest net possible and this is what video game movies have always done and mm-hmm. always failed because uh you know let's call it monster hunter mm-hmm they go, we're going to make a movie about a game called Monster Hunter. This is a totally made up, not mm-hmm. a real thing. And uh-huh. and 
we're going to uh, totally bastardize it. We're going to alienate the fans because we're going we're going for the wider audience, and the fans are going to come anyway. And then what right. happens is only the fans go at first, and then they tell everyone they know how shit it is because it's not like the games. Right. And now nobody sees the movie. Right. Yeah. It's it sort of is like the um, you know, like pre MCU like comic book days. Yeah. Like where you had you know Hulk, which is like this very weird take on Hulk. You know. Sure. It is like like drawing like names of things from the comics, but is then doing like weird stuff with the story. That you're like, talking about the Eric Bana one where he fights the tornado, right? The yeah, the Ang, Ang Lee, uh yeah, yeah, like alt, right? Like um, so. I feel like games are still in that same position where it's like, well, this stuff is just stupid, right? So we're just going to like, we'll take like the IP and we'll get some dumbass gamers to come watch it, but we're not going to make it like faithful to that shit, are we? You know, like, right, I feel like right. that is sort of the approach. I feel like Sonic is sort of splitting the difference because it is like taking the characters, putting them into a situation that has like no basis in the games, but then doing some pretty canny like marketing to get like, fans of the game on board like the poster is like a straight up recreation of like the sonic the hedgehog 2 genesis box art oh yeah so it's they're like, definitely hitting the fan service speeds yeah yeah but honestly it it really just comes down to like cuddly mascot character like mm -hmm. that's what's bringing the families in that's what's bringing in the six-year-olds that have never played a sonic the hedgehog game because what are they going to play sonic forces mm -hmm. like <laughs> come on so also so Jim Carrey is a pretty bankable star as well. For yeah. adults. For adults, right. yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, you know, we're For dudes about, in their 30s. But yeah, yeah, we're talking about how this hits everybody. Like, Jim yeah. Carrey is bankable. You know, like, you, yeah. know he's gonna, you know he's a great comedic actor. So, so right. everybody wants the, like, the movie that parents want to bring their kids to. Yeah. You know, versus the movie that kids want to see that parents begrudgingly, like, that's what that's how you get a major hit. Mm -hmm. And and like the funny thing is we were looking at this when we did our um, fake movie game game uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Sonic's not even that successful. The first one was really not even compared to it's only like the ninth best video game. movie. Oh, really? And even though that's a really low bar. Yeah. Number one was like Warcraft mm -hmm. and it did like mm -hmm. 500. Yeah. That one had like in a China. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Sonic sort of had its legs cut off because it came out. It came out in February of 2020, right? True. So it, so it was like it could have. I feel like that it could have been like, you know, the fifth or fourth highest grossing video game movie of all time, but it like didn't get to have that full month of March to sort of totally recoup that. Yeah, yeah. COVID really, uh, really fucked it over. <laughs> yeah. So it's now we've got as far as it did, even despite COVID. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but now we've got Tails in his biplane and Knuckles is there and he's the Eater's Elbow. Like they really, they swung for it. You mm -hmm. know, they did everything you need to do uh, mm -hmm. to make the second one a hit. And it's uh, like, like we were just saying before, it's off to a, a great start. It's, what was it? It was already at 25. Just yeah. in like the UK and some other, some other regions too, right? It's not just I think it's in 32 territories. I think the UK okay. might be the biggest. I'm not sure what all they are. I just saw that it was like 32 territories. Gotcha. Um, and then it'll open in the U.S. on Friday with already a tremendous amount of buzz. So it's mm -hmm. like it's going to blow up. Uh, and then the flip side of that is Jim Carrey, like sort of passively announces his retirement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wild. 
this might just be the last Jim Carrey film ever. It was like right after he was saying that, you know, no comedians are safe after Will Smith smacked Chris <laughs> Rock. So maybe he's just too afraid. He's like, I can't go back out there anymore. There, you know, people are violating Jester's privilege left and right. I would, <laughs> I would not be shocked to see a line drawn between that interview and the obvious backlash to him. And then him just being like, fuck it. I'm over this shit. Right. I am sad that he said those things. Cause he is one of my all time favorite childhood actors. And he's even my, my banner on Twitter. And I'm like, Oh, why'd you have to say that Jim? Like, yeah. Why couldn't you have just not said anything about it? He I feel like, said nothing, yeah. right? I feel like Daniel Radcliffe had the right approach. Just being like, I'm so bored of talking about this. I don't really want to weigh in. Yeah, I'm whether so you automatically bored of this, it was a beautiful choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> whether you agree with him or not, he would have been so much better off just not saying fucking anything. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, uh, especially think... like just like the day after on like Gail King's show, like what are you doing there, dude? Like right. he's been like I can't remember what was it. No, he was he was in um oh that comic book thing with Nick Cage, uh, Kickass. He was in Kickass too. Mm. Yeah. Jim Carrey, and I remember after it, he had this whole thing about like suddenly being like really anti-violence. I think, mm. like I don't know, there, there was something that happened, and all of a sudden he was like, actually, yeah, no, I don't, I don't like all the violence in this film. Like, I want to, I want uh-huh. things to stop being violent. Maybe he's so, just impression, an impressionable guy, you know. <laughs> he was dating Jenny McCarthy, so he was like, yeah, vaccines cause autism, and he was in Kickass, so he was like. Oh, God, yeah, violence is bad. Well. Uh, I don't know if he said. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was dating. He was with Jenny McCarthy for a long time or for a while, and she was super big on like, I have an autistic son, and he's autistic because he was vaccinated. Yeah, and I remember he was tweeting things along those lines back then. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question is, how, does Sonic work without Robotnik? Hmm. I, mean, uh, I don't think it's a simple answer because like. Yeah, Sonic has other villains, mm-hmm. right? He's got like the the Deadly Six, Shadow. Uh, yeah, Shadow. But even Shadow, you can't really do without Robotnik, right? Yeah, I think it would be weird without yeah. him. Yeah, but like he doesn't have a a Rogues Gallery, really. No, yeah, I mean he's got like it, they all sort of go back to Robotnik. That's the kind of hard thing about Sonic is it's like his, most of his enemies were like creations of Robotnik, like metal Sonic, uh-huh. you know, I mean, he's got chaos and I think chaos is also a creation of Robotnik, isn't it? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think chaos is like chaos gems, ancient race kind of thing. Okay. So, so yeah, they could not. bring in chaos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but then, like, but if you do that, you got to do like Angel man. Island, and you got to like actually go into Sonic World, which I don't know if we're gonna do. But I haven't seen the second one, so yeah, could be talking out of my asshole. Yeah, I feel uh, like people are like expecting them to like set up. You know, like the last one had like Tails as like the post credit stinger, right? Yeah. So I feel like they there's a good chance they'll do that with like some other Sonic characters, like Shadow in this one, but. I have not seen it, and I have not read any reviews, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, okay, let's just quickly mention this. The the Sony layoffs, was it, Izzy, was it 90 employees? It's like just under 90, empl- yeah, just under this, 90 employees. Yeah, just under 90 employees. 90 employees laid off from Sony, and basically the whole physical marketing team. So this would yeah. be like 
this would be like the account holders for like GameStop and shit that do, yeah. you know, all the, all that side of the marketing. So that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. The, um, headlines, the, the, the reason people are pissed about it is because obviously businesses change strategies and stuff happens, but they, they're only given two weeks notice, which is kind of pretty shitty for, for companies big as Sony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you you would like to think that the writing was on the wall and that these people weren't blindsided by this, but we never yeah. we never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is yet another nail in like GameStop's coffin. Yeah. Um, and physical still has a presence at big box stores, of course, mm-hmm. Best Buy, Target, and Walmart. But that's that's not that is obviously not a core pillar of their business the way it is for for GameStop. Uh, in other game stores, and otherwise, people are buying their physical, just getting it shipped from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it's not surprising that like they don't need a big marketing team, especially of ninety people, mm-hmm. uh, for physical when their marketing is all online. Mm. So, I'm I'm surprised that those are two separate, um, two separate jobs. Mm. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. it does seem. Odd that it's mm. not just like like you wouldn't be good at both of those things. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think that's also another thing why it's kind of weird that they laid them off and didn't just like re- rearrange the marketing team a bit, or maybe right. they have rearranged it and these were the ninety that got let go. Like, yeah, like God knows how big Sony's marketing department is. Right. Yeah, that is the news of the week. We are actually going on a short hiatus while I. Travel the world. Mm. I'm setting sail, Ooh. boys. Ooh. Choo, where, are you, where, are you, where are you going? I will be in Thailand oh, cool. uh, for the next two-ish weeks. And after that, I will be out at PAX East in Boston. So if you're at PAX East, uh, I'd love if you came and said hi. Um, I may record something while I'm there. It'll be another shorty like this one. Um, but as far as the regular show, uh, we will not be back until the 29th. So, um, yep. I hope everybody has a good April. Mm. I'll see y'all at the end of it. Uh, and that's it. Old recordings. If you, uh, if you miss our voices, what's your favorite episode, Izzy? Uh, you know, I think, I just think all the ones I've been on have just been excellent. Just top two. (laughs) No, that yeah, is just great opinions. Real good. Real good. Um, no, honestly, I really love the episode where um where you and Dave and like some of the, the other people are doing the live reaction to the um the Nintendo direct. With, like, the, Mario, <laughs> like, the, yeah. the Mario reveal. Like that's mm. I think that has to be my favorite moment. Like that's just burned into my mind of David just Dave David, what the hell? David just gentrified him, poor bastard. Um, <laughs> Dave just losing his fucking mind when uh, Chris Pratt got announced as the voice of Oh Mario. my god, yeah. yeah that's just turn out to Yeah. Uh yeah, if you want to listen to an old one, uh the my interview with Jordan Thomas, the director of uh Bioshock Two. Um that interview was a ton of fun. We talked about um ending his game the blackout club which is a really fascinating experimental uh storytelling game but it was a cool game i played that game when it launched and it was pretty interesting it was like the first multiplayer immersive sim i'd ever seen yes yeah with a uh with a weekly narrative that was live with live performers Mm. really fascinating uh project so 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend that one. Um, but yeah, other than that, we will see you April 29th. Goodbye, Eric. Safe travels. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. There you go.